Hello, this is Brian Williams, and welcome to the Greater Southington Business Podcast. Throughout my career as an investment advisor and working alongside entrepreneurs, nonprofit directors, and business leaders, I've heard some amazing stories. This podcast was created to tell the stories behind the local products and services you use every day. This podcast is designed to inform and inspire. On this episode, I sit down with Joanne Kelleher. Joanne is the director of the Early Childhood Collaborative of Southington. They can be found at southingtonearlychildhood.org, on Facebook at ECC Southington, and their Twitter handle is ECC underscore Southington. Let's first learn a little bit about the history of the ECCS. Back in 2003, the William Casper Graustein Foundation issued a grant. It went to the United Way of Southington, and it was to explore issues around early childhood. And that grant then got transferred to the YMCA. And then in 2006, it got transferred to the Community Foundation of Greater New Britain, who is still very involved with the Early Childhood Collaborative, or ECCS, as our fiscal agent. And so at the time the organization was started, there was a focus to start a family resource center and to promote all-day kindergarten. And both of those goals have been accomplished, the educational outcomes, and to determine what really the next step should be. And so that plan was wrapped up probably about five years ago. And since then, the person who was the director at the time uh, moved out of town, and I was hired as the new director three years ago. Okay. Okay. And what kind of background did you have that, that helped you lead into this position? So my background is actually unrelated to early childhood. Okay. But I started in the insurance industry, moved over to the technical field, and was doing a lot of work with project planning, with grant writing, event planning, marketing. And so when this position became available, they were looking for someone with all of those skills. Mm -hmm. They were not looking for an early childhood teacher. They wanted someone who could administer and lead the organization. And so someone who was involved knew that I was interested in moving from the technology field into the nonprofit arena and had actually taken a class about nonprofit marketing to learn the terminology they use on the nonprofit side and suggested I apply. And so I was selected and officially this is a half-time position. Okay. So it sounds like maybe that uh, your background in the in the data actually helps a little bit with this and, and plowing through some of the numbers and running some reports there. Definitely. Definitely. And because I raised children here in town and knew all kinds of things about childcare, going through the school system, Boy Scouts, um, sure. I was able to connect on the uh, early childhood right. side as well. Right. So you know the right people to talk to to get things done, right? And so the, the rest of your, your background as far as the grant writing, um, did you find you had to do a lot of that early on or was that more of a, a later stage? No, I had to do that early on. The Early Childhood Collaborative, when I first started, received a small amount of money from the state of Connecticut. Okay. Um, that was really to help transition um, away from the Graustein Foundation. They had been funding uh, 40-ish organizations similar to the ECCS wow. at, in communities across the state. And they changed their focus away from early childhood. Um, 
So they gave some money to the state who uh, distributed it. But all of the rest of our funding comes strictly from donations and from other foundations. So the Community Foundation of Greater New Britain, in addition to being our fiscal agent, supports us. And we've received several grants from the Main Street Community Foundation and one from the Pettit Family Foundation. Okay. So you're totally off state funding now? No state funding, okay. no town funding, no board of ed funding. Okay. And is that something you'll see continue or do you think they'll jump back in later on? I would love for the uh, town to get more involved. Mm -hmm. I do not see that happening at the state level. Um, and in the meantime, we're working to expand people who donate. Okay. And with your focus being Southington, is there other organizations in surrounding towns or, or in the state that you work with or trade ideas? So we belong to an organization <laughs> called the Connecticut Early Childhood Alliance, which does advocacy at the state level and has organizations similar to ours, as well as daycare centers, other nonprofits like the Diaper Bank. Um, and so we share information and then there is a new group which is being formed of organizations like the ECCS um, who focus on their own communities. So they're actually so new, they're still debating on what the name should <laughs> be, but it will be something along the lines of the Connecticut Community Child Care Alliance. <laughs> right. Okay. That makes sense. They all kind of, so many of these organizations sound so similar, but uh, it's good to have something that's a very local focus because trying to do anything on the state level, because every town is so different. Right. And you have to be able to navigate that. So um, I'm sure it's helpful to have something very local. So aside from that first group of problems that you looked to set out to change, what was the, what was the next group of problems that you looked to solve? So one of the issues identified in the development of the community plan was kindergarten readiness, okay. making sure that children are prepared for school. And what the kindergarten teachers are seeing, especially more recently, is that some of the skills that children in earlier generations learned are not happening now. Children are showing up in kindergarten and don't have the physical strength to sit in a chair. They don't have the strength in their hands to hold a or to use scissors. And that's because they're spending a lot more time on screens okay. and they're not outside running around on the playground, developing the muscles in their arms and their, their bodies. And they're not playing with small things at home, like Legos or blocks. Mm. They're swiping and they're not building that hand strength. Okay. Yeah. And that's too bad because there is a lot of really good playgrounds around and a lot of that stuff doesn't cost a lot to do. It's just really making the time time investment to get that stuff done. Correct. And if anybody is looking for a list of playgrounds, we have one on our website, okay. the resources section. Okay. And you also do some stuff on social media with your playgrounds or you highlight certain areas. And do We do. This summer we're doing, we're highlighting a playground or park every single week. Okay. So people know what's out there. One of the other things we've been doing as far as kindergarten readiness is a kindergarten workshop series for parents and for childcare providers. And so we've talked about numeracy skills and literacy skills and developmental skills, getting back to that gross and fine motor activities. And so this coming year that will be held in January 
right after the kindergarten information session that okay. the school district holds. Okay. And is there a, a list of um, even motor skills or certain tests that um, parents should be trying with their children at certain ages? There is a list of expected milestones from a developmental standpoint. Okay. So, you know, at certain points, they should be able to walk, they should be able to talk. Um, and there's a there's fairly detailed list. Okay. And I can help promote that information through okay. the ECCS. We recently added an article to our website about milestones related to speech development. We had a speaker come in and do a workshop on language development okay. uh, because we had gotten a lot of questions about that. And people were not understanding that I think my child has an issue with speech and they would get screened by the Southington School District and the district would come back and say, no, your child is fine. And it's because some speech things are not expected until the child is six, seven, or eight years old. Okay. And the child's only four. Right. And the parent can only hear that they think there's a problem, but it's developmentally appropriate sure. for them not to be able to say or whatever it is until right. they're older. Right. And that's got to be a challenge, too, for at that age, whether the, the child really does have a developmental issue or re or whether they're just a little bit behind or whether they're just not getting what they need at home. And, you know, can can they catch up with the right services or is there something really that, that needs to be dive in a little bit deeper? Right. And then this particular issue, they aren't even behind. They, they're they right on schedule. Mm. The parents think they're behind. I see. Um, and so if people have concerns, there's two sets of programs. If the child is under the age of three, that type of screening and support goes through the Connecticut Birth to Three program. Okay. And then once the child turns three, it is through the Southington School District okay. uh, who would do any screening and provide services. And so we, the Early Childhood Collaborative, has information about that on our website, and we've done a workshop on the transition from the birth to three program to the three plus program in the school district because some of the criteria is different and the language is different and the screening tools are different. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've heard that parents have had difficulties or been frustrated or just don't understand what the differences are and the transition. Right. And sometimes it's just a matter of parents getting their children around other children to just kind of compare, not heavily really, you know, compare, but just to see where their, where their child is, because they might be only with a couple family members or a couple kids in the neighborhood who might be far ahead, uh, ahead or far behind. And it's tough to get a read on that sometimes. So you do need to get around other children or bring in a professional to take a look. And having that experience is part of what's known as a preschool experience. Mm -hmm. um, it's important to have children before they show up for kindergarten to be in social settings with other children. If the first time that they're in a classroom is when they show up for kindergarten at age five, it's very difficult for the child. And so we encourage all children to have some sort of preschool experience. And we've been tracking that statistic. And historically, it's been around 80%. And then in like three years ago, it was uh, 88% and the last couple of years it's been about 92% okay. and a preschool experience could be they're in an all-day childcare setting that has a preschool program. It could be a traditional nursery school program, sure. half day, 
couple days a week. You could be showing up for multiple programs at the Southington Library, mm-hmm. and those are free. It could be attending programs at the Family Resource Center, which runs six to eight week programs, also free with the child and a caregiver. And so we strongly encourage people to expose their children to have a preschool experience. Um, unfortunately, if people are interested in nursery school type settings, there are limited spots and right. they open for registration depending on the program. December, January, February for the following September, and you sign your child up when they're two. I'm still getting calls from people saying, I want to sign my child up for preschool, nursery school for the fall. And those spots have been filled yeah. for months. Wow. What do you do in that situation? How do you help those people? So on our website, we actually have a page that talks about preschool experience. And I've been trying to track who has openings and okay. who does not. So that helps parents in that they don't have to call some of the schools where Mm. I know the spots are full. Right. Or if they have a waiting list. And the centers and preschools have been very good about letting me know that we're opening a new classroom, we'll Mm. have some space, we're reconfiguring, whatever it is. So that way I can help get the word out because they want those spots to be full as well. Right. Um, We have been expanding on our site that preschool centers and nursery schools and because the ones in town are full we've been adding more listings of places outside of town so just over the line um, to give people other options and then we've been encouraging people to take advantage of some of the free programs that are not traditional nursery schools like at the various libraries doesn't have to be the Southington library a lot of the libraries have programs for preschoolers uh, or at the Family Resource Center just so that they can have a situation where they can get their child to interact sure. with other young sure. children. Yeah, it's amazing how many free programs there are out there. I mean, obviously our focus is on children, but even for, for seniors and teens, I mean, there's there's a lot of great programs going out there. It's just a matter of getting that message out there and encouraging people to look for this this kind of stuff. I hear a lot about your, I can hear a lot of the background you have in, in data coming through. So <laughs> I'm wondering if um, if it's a little bit easier now that you've been around, if the organization has been around a while, that you're actually collecting your own data, whereas maybe when the organization started or when you first came aboard, you were looking for other data sources. And now that you've got a little traction here, you can, you can track this kind of stuff. So some of the data, by definition, I need to get from other people, whether sure. it's the town clerk's office who tells me how many babies are born when mm-hmm. I reach out to them. Uh, as an aside, in 2018, there were 379 babies born okay. to Southington families. Um, a lot of the school data I have to get from the school system. Mm-hmm. And so I know from them, the last couple of years, there have been a 100 more children who have showed up to register for kindergarten than were born in town for the wow. same cohorts. Okay. So that means that there's an awful lot of young families moving into town no. who were not living here when the child was born. Interesting. Some of the data has to then go to the state before I can get it back. Okay. So the town clerk's office counts how many birth certificates there are and how many babies were born, but the analysis of the other data on the birth certificates, like was the mom foreign born or not they don't 
do that calculation in-house, they have to send it off to the state. And then two or three years from now, I'll find out that okay. um, how many foreign-born mothers there were. Mm -hmm. So the most recent information is from 2015. Okay. It's like 17% of the babies born in Southington, their moms were not born in the United States. Wow. And that's another one of those wow types of sure. statistics that when people think of Southington, they think it's a all white middle class type of community, but that is not the case anymore. No. It's becoming more racially diverse and it's also becoming more diverse from an economic standpoint. Sure. Sure. And that's important to you because you have to provide services to people. And like we talked about the education, you've got to get that message out, maybe even in multiple languages and multiple you know, situations. So you have to be able to communicate in a lot of different ways. With the, with the people coming into Southington, do you have any, um, not necessarily in the data, but uh, reasons why the young families are coming in here? They sound like they're having children elsewhere and coming here is there a particular is it you or are they coming here for your services or what's attracting people to Southington? I would say that they are attracted to the school district, okay. the school system, which has a great reputation. The cost of living here is lower than in other communities in the state. And I think the town has a good reputation for taking care of its own. Okay, good. And these school systems with the, with the data that you have, how far in advance do they have to plan for extra kindergarten teachers and then extra first? Or do they do a good job of that data? Are we using that data? So they need to really start that process, the school district, in January for the following year. So at the end of January, they sponsor what's called a kindergarten information session. And they try and get every parent who will be sending a child to school and kindergarten to show up and hear about how the process works and how the registration process works and the busing in the school day and all of the questions that a new kindergarten parent sure. would have. And they want people to then officially register when that opens up in March. Okay. And again, people aren't necessarily thinking in January and March about the following September, but right. the school district needs to know that because in March, Part of the registration is the parent needs to bring the child with them to the school that the child will be going to, to meet with the kindergarten teacher. And they kind of go around the room and meet with a reading specialist mm -hmm. and a couple of other folks. And then they go back in May for an orientation session where the child actually gets to see their classroom and go on a bus ride while the parents learn more information specific to their school because school is out early in June right? and none of this work happens over the summer. So the registrar wants to get as many people into the system to be registered and go through orientation as possible in the spring. And they would rather have people sign up their children, even if they're unsure if their child is ready for kindergarten and then back out because it's a whole lot easier than having a whole bunch of people sign up at the last minute in August and then right. try and find teachers sure. and reconfigure schedules. Right. And nobody likes overcrowded classrooms. Nobody, right. Certainly at that, at that age. So we encourage any parent who's got a child of that age to go ahead and sign up and register, even if 
they decide at the last minute that their child is not ready. You talked a little bit about the the, the products and, and issues parents have with, um, even if they've got multiple children, some of the products that they used early on with their older children, whether it be car seats or cribs, that those products change and the recommendations change and regulations change. So how do you help parents out with that? So there are a couple of ways we do that. One, as new recommendations come out, we share that information mostly through social media, but also on our website. Sometimes we do events, like we co-sponsor with the Southington Police Department, a car seat safety check. Okay. And the state of Connecticut changed their car seat laws about a year and a half ago, and we did a big promotion complete with signs that we marched in the Apple Harvest Parade to let people know about the new car seat regulations. Okay. And how about the cribs? How's that changed over the years? So when my kids were small, they had crib bumpers, they were stuffed animals, they had blankets, they had these little padded things that encouraged them to sleep on their side because they were, the recommendations were transitioning to sleeping on the side is best. Now they want babies to sleep on their back. They don't want anything else in the cribs, Mm -hmm. no bumpers, no stuffed animals, not even any blankets. And so they make these kind of like sleeping bag products with arms that you put the baby in so that they're warm enough, but so it's not going to get tangled around them as they start to move around. And so the Connecticut Office of Early Childhood has put out a recommendation to the childcare centers, no blankets, no cribs, Mm. and has been distributing some of these little Zippo sleeping bag things. Um, And it's a recommendation because the, regulations that need to be changed for that are just going to take a couple of years and they don't want to wait that long. Right. Yeah. Got to get that information out. I like those little zip up sleepers. I (laughs) wish I had one that fit me. So they're not such a bad thing. Yeah. They're called Snuggies. Yeah. Snuggies. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You can get those. With the old stuff, what do people do with their old cribs and old car seats? I know that's a tough thing because you can't, a lot of places won't take them in donation. They're secondhand shop. What do you recommend people do? Do they just have to discard them or recycle them? The cribs, I've seen stuff online where people convert them into other furniture. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah. Especially the ones with the, the bars that are too wide. Mm-hmm. You really cannot use them for babies anymore. And you know the recommendation is to either convert them to something else or to throw them away. Yeah. Uh, car seats expire after a certain period of time. And so those get tossed or recycled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing with the with the helmets and things too. Obviously they are grown, but there's a certain um, time frame that they can keep those. Correct. And speaking of helmets, there is a new helmet law. Previously, children under the age of 16 were required to wear a helmet when they were bicycling. Mm-hmm. And as of October 1st, they now need to be wearing a helmet when they are bicycling, skateboarding, rollerblading, roller skating or scootering. Okay. Right. And that doesn't matter whether they're whether they're by themselves or with a parent. They gotta have it on, right? Correct. And it doesn't matter even if the parent says, Oh, you're okay, you don't need to wear a helmet. The Southington Police Department does swap out expired car seats when they do their car seat safety checks okay. uh, for new ones. If they find when they're doing a, a check that uh, there's an issue with your car seat and Southington Community Services does have some car seats occasionally that they can either pull out of stock or can help find car seats if needed. Okay. 
Um, what, what else are you doing to get your, your message out there? Obviously you have your website and your, and your social media. Is there anything, uh, new or any sort of initiatives that you're focusing now, especially being sort of at the start of summer here? So now that it's the start of summer, personally, I'm working on planning for the fall and what our next set of, uh, grants and initiatives are. We received funding from the Main Street Community Foundation Barnes Trust. Uh, to focus on health issues. So we just wrapped up our second annual Bike Safe Southington event where we brought in folks from Bike Walk Connecticut and did a bicycle safety event for children, like age five to 12. Um, and we recently did a, as I mentioned, a car seat safety check. But there's a couple of other workshops that I need to do as part of that grant that I'll okay. be scheduling for the fall that are more health related in screen time i know that's obviously a big issue for for parents who are on their screens too much but also so children uh what are you recommending for ages and limits and where can parents find out more information about that so personally i want to see children especially very young children on the screen as infrequently as possible sure. you lose the opportunity to teach your child and to do some of that serve in return if you're just putting a screen in front of them. So when you're at the grocery store, don't hand the child your phone. Right. You should be talking about this pepper is green and this pepper <laughs> is orange and help me put the peppers in the bag and let's walk over to the scale and weigh the peppers right. and see how much they weigh. And do you think this three pack is going to weigh more than the peppers we put in the bag? Right. All of that communication about language, numbers, weights, you lose that if the child is sure. just looking at the screen. I was at the Big E in the fall, and there's a lot of stuff to look at at the Big E. And there was a family that went by, and the child had a tablet in their hand as they're walking by the elephant. Oh, oh my goodness. And it was all I could do to run over and rip the Tablet out of the child's hand. There's an elephant. Yeah. When will you ever see a oh, live elephant? Goodness. And the child was involved with the screen. It was oh, just heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 And they and they learn that from their parents. Parents are as guilty as, as the children are. Well, it's not so much that they learn it from their parents, but it was the parent who physically handed them sure. the tablet. Right. Um, so there are recommendations that have come out from various um, groups and there are apps that are good, but should be used with the parents sitting next to you. So right. you can have a conversation. So you watch a story and then you can talk about it. But if mm -hmm. you just hand the child the tablet as an excuse, and that's it, they're not doing things like playing with blocks or Legos right. or being outside. It, it really does impact the child. Um, I mentioned before about the kindergarten teachers seeing that physically the children are not the same as they used to be, but they're also reporting that many of the children show up and don't have the empathy mm. of previous children because they haven't spent time, for example, waiting at a restaurant to be seated mm. and being able to watch the facial expressions of sure. other people or to have a conversation with the mom to say, Ooh, that person looks sad. I wonder mm. why they look sad. Or it 
looks like they're having a celebration. Don't they all look happy? Right. Because children need to be taught emotions and names for emotions. And if they're looking at a screen, they lose that. Right. Right. And and the the idea of being in the grocery store and just talking to them about things that they see, there's there's no age limit. I mean, even if no. you think you're even if your child isn't communicating back to you or talking back to you, they're still listening, they're still picking up on it, they still right. read your face and see the interaction. So that can, you know, as soon as they're born, we can start with that. There's right. no and problem it can, can continue even through elementary school and junior high school, middle school, because then you can bring in higher level math sure. concepts yeah. and you talk about rice per pound and which is the best deal if you mm. want peppers. Are you better off getting the three pack or the single yeah. peppers and make them do the math and sure. figure that out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or tell the tell the child that this is our weekly budget and anything you save you can keep as your allowance. Right. There's there all go. kinds of great yeah. math and numeracy things you yeah. can do in the grocery store for all ages. So in Southington there's a bit of a shortage coming for um, to, to get help for for children. So um, how can we solve that? And what are you doing to help out there? So we're seeing a shortage in childcare centers, especially for infant and toddler spots. There just aren't enough licensed childcare spots as there are babies being born. Mm. And one of the things that I've been trying to do is to let parents who are pregnant or have very young children who will need Childcare in the future know that so that they can start their search and get on a waiting mm -hmm. list. We're trying to educate parents about preschool registration, that you need to start thinking about it when the child is two mm -hmm. and signing up when registration opens. Um, the ECCS website does have a long resources section and there's a special needs category. There's um, a support category. So if there's some sort of issue that parents have and they don't know who to turn to, um, they can look there or they can reach out to me and I can try and steer them in the right direction. Okay. Is this mainly a Southington problem or are you seeing that uh, across the state? The, the issue with not having enough licensed childcare spots is an issue across the state. Okay. It's especially an issue in some of the larger communities. Hmm. Um, but it's kind of a perfect storm in that child care providers do not earn a whole lot of money. Right. The state of Connecticut is increasing the licensing requirements and is heading towards a requirement that all child care teachers have a bachelor's degree. Mm. And if you have a bachelor's degree in early education, you could go be a kindergarten teacher for a whole lot more money right. than being in a child care center. The child care centers are facing additional regulations around having to spend money on background checks and other things. And so the centers are not making as much money as they used to. And there's also a category of licensed child care providers called family child care providers. They used to be called home child care providers, where basically traditionally a mom uh, who has young children would get licensed and have other people's children sure. in their home. And if anybody's thinking about doing that under state law, you do need to be licensed. Right. Well, the regulations for that have increased as well. Years ago here in Southington, we had over 300 family child care providers. Wow. When I started, there were 36 of them. And mm. now we're down to about 28 mm. of them. And many of them are older and taking care of their grandchildren and are planning on 
retiring. Yeah. And so the number of those spots just keeps shrinking. Yeah. And that's yeah. happening all over the state. Right. And that's and that's a tough spot because you obviously want these people to be qualified in the background checks, but at the same time, if it prevents people from going into that as a as a career or offering that from home, it's 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 really tough challenge. And the other part of it becoming a perfect storm is that already the cost to a parent for childcare sure. is very high. Um, it costs the same to send a preschooler full-time to an all-day preschool as it does to send your kid to Yukon for tuition and yeah. fees. Yeah. And people aren't thinking that I'm going to need to come up with $250, $300 a week right. to pay for childcare. And then if you have multiple children under the age of five, yeah. that becomes very expensive. Sure. And then you still might need childcare before after care, even when your child is in school. Right, right. And there are limited options for that. Uh, the YMCA does a great job of having a program either on site or at the Y site for every elementary school. Um, but if you are not interested in having the Y care for your child, there aren't that many other options. Right. Yeah. And, and and at least with with college, that gets talked about a lot more. And right. you have, you know, in theory, 18 years to Correct. plan for it and, um, you know, all sorts of loans and aids. But that, that's not available for children that are that young. There is aid for uh, parents who meet certain income thresholds through the state of Connecticut okay. called Care for Kids. And the information about that, again, is on our website. And we occasionally really promote it on social media. But it allows parents to get a subsidy if they are working to help pay for childcare. Okay. So in, in wrapping up, what's the one program or service in Southington that you wish everybody who was pregnant or had a, a newborn that you wish you could just get them all in a room and tell them about? The one recommendation that you would love to give to every <laughs> expected parent? Well, I would... Love them to know that the Early Childhood Collaborative is a central resource for whatever they need. We do send out through the town clerk's office a letter to every newborn baby's parent. Uh, the clerk sends out a package that talks about the library and the ECCS. Mm -hmm. So we're helping to get that word out. I would want parents to know it's a great place to yeah. raise their children right. and that there are lots of options and support. They just need to reach out and we can help connect them. Right. And if you don't have the answer, you probably know somebody that does. And I know a lot of times people, um, maybe if they're a little bit higher income or whatever, they might look at these town programs as being more for lower income, but that's certainly not the case at all. They're, you're just here as a resource to provide information as much as anything else. Correct. Correct. Because our budget is limited. We're not providing any financial support to anybody, but we can point people in the direction that they need, whether it's uh, because of a developmental delay, because they want some sort of park or playground mm -hmm. to bring their child to. If they've got a health concern, we've got listings of all the pediatric dentists and pediatricians on our sure. site. Um, there's there's a lot to raising children successfully, mm -hmm. and we can help. Okay. And if people want to donate to your organization, how do they do that? They can go visit our website. There's a big donate button right on the top okay. uh, that explains all the ways to do that. They can Okay. okay. Use the credit card. Yep, you'll take it all. We'll take whatever, it all. Whatever they want to do. And um and of course every parent should be following you on Facebook and, and Twitter also and uh keep an eye on your website. A lot of changes there. 
Correct. And one of the things we do on Facebook is promote activities for children. So we don't keep a calendar of other people's activities on our website, but we do promote it on Facebook. So promoting things like the farmer's market, which is every right. Friday afternoon, uh, doing things like the Southington Recreation Department on Tuesday evenings in the summer has a kids entertainment series where they bring in jugglers and musicians and all kinds of okay. um, fun things to do with the with your child and that's free at the yeah drive-in. it's great a lot of a lot of free stuff which is what every parent likes so all right well thank you very much joanne i appreciate your time and uh, we'll get this out to people quickly thank you for having me brian